Welcome to Conversations With. My name is Shaley Hugendorn and I live with Bipolar 2 Disorder. Sharing with others is healing both individually and collectively. Sharing our stories will educate others, bring more understanding, shed more light and smash more stigma. Our voices need to be heard. Our stories aren't over yet. This is Bipolar. Hi everyone, welcome back to This is Bipolar. I am Shaylee Hugendorn. I am a mom, a teacher, a speaker, and a podcaster. I live with Bipolar 2 and my pronouns are she, her. Before we get started, I just wanted to let everyone know that I have started subscriptions on Instagram. So if you go and subscribe there, you're going to hear a little extra of every podcast and we can connect and go deeper there. So go find the Instagram and um, join me there. Another thing I wanted to say before we start, we talk about really hard things on this podcast. And so we could, you could be activated. Um, please, please, please take care of yourself if you need to take breaks or if it's one that's really hitting you, I hope that you can just take care. And with that being said, I would love, 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 Bassie, could you introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Bassie Ikby. I am a writer, uh, mental wellness advocate, um, burpee abolitionist, uh, professional procrastinator, yeah. you know, <laughs> All the that's who I am. Uh, and my pronouns are her, her, she, she, her. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Oh, thank you. And speaking of, oh yes. And I wrote a book. <laughs> you, did say, you did say writer, but I just okay. say like this book was, um, the second book that I read that was a memoir and I there's parts in here where I felt so seen that I like bald I think I read it and I did the very wrong thing you're supposed to do when you have bipolar disorder but I stayed up all night and read it oh no <laughs> but I was okay I was okay I was medicated motivated I was okay but good, good. Um, uh, before we get started, I just want to tell everybody, go and read this book. It, um, I just wanted to let you know that it meant the world to me to feel seen and heard. And your bravery about telling your story just raw and as is, it, it, I think it helped me come forward with mine. So I just wanted oh, to thank you so much. Thank you. Thank that. you. That's so kind. That's so kind. That's, it's, it, that's the best compliment. I When I wrote it, I was very much like, it's going to be just me. And I'll be the only person, but I've been very, very uh, surprised and very um, honored that people have connected with parts that I was just certain it was just, just certain. And um, so that means a lot to me. So thank you. Yeah. yeah. And it's just kind of surreal. I'm like, am I talking? Am I talking to you? <laughs> so that's really awesome. So thank you for that. I would love just to, just to get started. Um, I was pulled in by the very beginning of the book and the very beginning of your story where you talk about memory and, and memory in your, in your childhood. And I know there were certain points, um, in there 
that were really uh, a pivotal points to you or or um, things that you really remembered. I'm thinking um, about the spaceship and I'm thinking about, about times like that. I would love to just hear um, some of the memories that you had that kind of stick out um, where you felt different or looking back, you realized that there was something going on for you. Um, one of the, the, the first thing that comes to mind is uh, I started, reading and speaking English right about the same time. And um, I was a voracious, and I say was, cause I do not read as much as I did then, but I used to stay up all night reading and reading book after book. There was a summer I read, I, I don't even, I don't wanna, uh, I don't remember the number, but it was such a huge number one summer that I, I you know, back in the day you'd get like the, little pizza coupons depending yeah. on how many books you're yeah Ours so I was just monster reading awards <laughs> well I can't remember I can't remember what, what book it I was just called book it and um I had to come before the librarian tribunal but like basically like prove that I was reading these adult books and I was reading them so quickly um because I was like, they thought I was just like making it up to get these yeah. pizza coupons. And I was like, no, I'm real. I'm really reading these books. Like, I, I'm I'm really sitting here reading. Um, I don't know. I can't remember some of the books I wrote, but like, I read. Um, but I remember that because I was reading, people didn't. People didn't clock the fact that this eight year old, nine year old, ten year old was staying up all night because she was reading. Yeah, so you know what I mean? So, yeah. So she just loves to learn. She's just a, a, a learner. Um, and so looking back, I, I, I remember thinking that that's not what people do. People don't stay up all night doing things um, and, and going by on very little sleep. And uh, I was also, I don't want to say I was a sensitive child, but I felt things deeply in that uh, you mentioned the uh the the shuttle um the shuttle explosion and it affected everybody like the entire country was 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 affected by this thing because we all like we were all you know gen x we were traumatized because we were watching it happen um and it had this profound effect on on us but at some point lives continued we 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 went back to recess we went back to regular classes we went back to just doing whatever it is we were doing before that moment i was unable to and i remember thinking that there's i this doesn't feel like people uh, kind of um don't like the way i use normal um but i think that for me normal is a baseline and, and and everybody's normal is different. So the normal for my my baseline normal, I know what's abnormal. I know like I that's how I I I I can sort of gauge where I am. So I remember just early thinking this does not feel normal. This doesn't feel I didn't have healthy. I didn't have it doesn't feel I, I didn't have anything but normal and not normal. Yeah. And the fact that I was unable to move past it. And it just kept like repeating and repeating. I'd close my eyes and I'd see, I'd get headaches that felt like an explosion. Like all these things just did not feel like, I didn't understand why I couldn't just let go of things that were upsetting. I would own them and I would hold them and I would ruminate over them. And I'd try to figure out 
what I could have done to like help the uh, help. Um, uh, back in the eighties, uh, when I grew up, um, I'm from Nigeria and there were a lot of coups happening where just government violent overthrowing governments over and over and over. And they seem to always coincide with when I lost a spelling bee or when I, uh, got a bad grade in math, like these like random, very random. And I'm, 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 I'm a kid, I'm in school. So things are going to happen, but I always sort of connected. It's like, oh my God, I lost the spelling bee and now a hundred people are dead, you know? So wow. that's the kind of life that I was living when I was a, a little kid. And so to answer your short question, my long answer is that just very early on, even as a kid, even as a baby, not a baby, but like, um, I think in the book, I said, it wasn't the first, it was the it wasn't the first time I'd refused my body food, something like that. Yeah. So yeah, so food became like a big sort of um, difficult place for me as well. Uh, yeah, so there's all these little things that, that, that as I got older and diagnosed, I can say, oh, okay, okay, I get it, I get it. But at the time, I just, I didn't understand it. Um, I found ways to live with and around, uh, but I had absolutely no idea what was going on with me. Wow, yeah. And tell me a little bit more about uh, about the food thing. I remember in the book, um, was it an auntie or someone was like, I'm going to get in trouble if you don't eat. And so you would eat, it said you would eat mostly in front of her. Tell us a little bit about, more about that. Yeah, um, uh, I, I learned very quickly that there were things that I was doing that were upsetting mainly the grownups around me. So I learned very quickly how to tell the story that they needed in order to feel better. Um, and that that's in the book because it was like the first instance of what I'm doing is upsetting somebody. And so I need to, if I can't stop doing it completely, I need to stop doing it in front of them. Um, I, I was just talking to my cousin actually today uh, about something that happened recently. And I said that I, I cannot ever get to a place where I'm comfortable um, causing harm to another person. And I don't mean that in this like benevolent sort of, you know, saintly way. It is, it makes me uncomfortable to know that I am the reason somebody isn't doing well. Um, when I was first diagnosed, my thought was I need to cause as little harm as possible to the people around me. And that's just the way that I've I've always been because I've always seen that reward of, of making people feel like things are okay, um, that they're doing something well. You know, um, I just learned about the, uh, what is it? The, I've always only heard about, uh, what is it? Fight or flight. And then my therapist a couple of months ago added freeze, freeze or fawn. And I was like, what, what are these two things? And so now I, I recognize that what I was doing was, was I was in the fawn stage um, when those things happen. So, yeah. yeah. You just, you, you just made everyone else comfortable, even at your own, at your own expense. Yeah. That's hard. I know I, the whole time I was like, I just want to hug little bad. That's what people say. I that's what people say they say they want to hug little bossy and then they want to tell 20 year old bossy to go to bed oh. <laughs> go to sleep 
<laughs> and there was a part even there. And what age did you immigrate? Um, I was, it was October 8th, 1984, that August. Yeah, so I was almost five. Yeah. yeah. And that's when you just said that, did you learn how to speak English here or did you? Yeah, I learned how to speak. I learned how to speak here. Um, my, uh, my parents, because of the, the, the part of Nigeria we're from, like when you, when you, when you see Nigerians, usually, um, they're part of like the Igbo tribe, Yoruba tribe, like these are the major, the three major tribes and, and houses. So when people see Nigerians, they're usually one of those three, usually the, the Igbo and Yoruba. Um, we're from like a minority within a minority. So when we moved, there was nobody around us who spoke the same language. Um, whereas there were, uh, like there were other people who could find communities and like keep the language alive and teach it to their kids and pass it on. Uh, my parents wanted me to learn because I, I was an only child at that point. My parents wanted me to learn English so very quickly so that I could socialize, so I could you know speak to people and 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 meet people and and have friends. Um, so they stopped speaking to me in Yakar and only spoke to me in English. Um, so. As I was learning to, like I said, learning to to speak, I was also learning to read almost simultaneously. And um, I fell in love with reading because it was this, it just seemed like magic that somebody who I'd never met, who didn't know me, who couldn't possibly know me, was writing about these these girls, um, so I was Pippi Longstockings, um, uh, uh, God, my favorite, Anna Green Gables, like these are like my people. And to read about or to read them and like Ramona, Ramona oh. Quimby. Um, yeah, like I'm reading about these girls that like acted and felt like me. And I'm like, these people don't even know me, but I do stuff like this. I feel stuff like that. So once I started connecting with reading on that level, it was just on. Like I just needed to read everything I could get my hands on. I read the encyclopedia. Like I read everything I could possibly read because I wanted to know all of the things and 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 figure out just life, especially coming to the country yeah. um, from somewhere else. I learned, it, it wasn't just reading. Like, I'm not going to sit here and act like I was just like this. I watched a lot of television. <laughs> Most of what I learned about American culture, I learned from television. I love TV. I think that um, it has the, especially now, but back in the day when, you know, it wasn't like a lot of like prestige um, uh, TV, but like I learned a lot about American culture by watching family ties and you know all these different things and so I I read a lot I watched a lot of tv and I observed a lot as well so all those three things I'm getting to it all those three things are also part of what I reunite I recognize now as symptoms as well I'd be up all night watching tv up all night reading and um, I'm I'm going to talk about my cousin a lot because we talk a lot uh the, the concept of hypervigilance and I know that a lot of people they they always speak about it in the negative and it does have its you know mm -hmm. uh it, it does have that element to it but i also look at it as like a positive whereas i'm able to read people's faces i'm able to like read like body language um i'm able to uh uh kind of understand what different movements mean mm -hmm. um and then i was able to mimic those in order to fit in as you know, as a, as a new American immigrant, um, as, 
you know, growing up in a, in a household that's different than most, I was able to sort of like watch people and find ways to build. And then as my, my, my symptoms start heightening before diagnosis, I watched people to figure out how to sit still and how not to, you know, wiggle too much, like all these different things. So a lot of my life was my early life, and even now to an extent, was about finding ways to exist um, with this thing that I had that I didn't have a name for. And then even after I got a name for it, I still had to figure out a way to exist with it. Wow. So I substitute teach K to three. And I was fascinated with like, it's like you knew things to do to regulate. Like there was one part where you talked about where I forget how you were describing it. Like you were almost like going out of your skin, needing to move or having this pent up, built up energy. And you would go and you would run to the bathroom back and forth a few times. And yeah. I was like, because we spend a lot of time trying to teach children, which is so helpful because I'm doing it with them to yeah. regulate our bodies and our nervous systems. And it's like you knew what you need. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I've learned recently about so many, the, the, like the, 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 the names of things that I had already been doing um, because so much of it, and people don't recognize, don't realize how physically uncomfortable some of this stuff is. They think it's just like emotional or mental, but it is also physically uncomfortable. Um, so yeah, I learned to, to, to move around a lot, uh, run and spin and jump. I was, I was, I was active on, on, on the playground. Like I was a recess girl. Like I was active and I played sports. I danced. I did anything that I could possibly do, um, to sort of turn that energy into something useful. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, there's another part in the book when um, I'm having, I don't know if it's a panic attack or it was like, it was an insomnia, it was a, it was a mixed episode. I was, it was, it was a lot and I was spinning and I was counting and I was, you know, finding ways to like pull myself down. And I just, again, I've always wanted to cause as little harm as possible and to not allow where I was to negatively impact the people around me. So I had to learn a way. And um, I always did what, what I was feeling. I always did what, like if I felt like that kind of uncomfortable in my own body thing, running helped. If I felt like my brain was spinning too much, counting helped, you know, um, it just made sense at that time. Um, and it was because I was I was spending way too much time trying to figure out uh, how other people were feeling around me and not wanting to make them uncomfortable or or worry. That was my biggest thing. I don't I didn't want people to worry, especially like my parents. Like, OK, they're, they're very stressed out about this thing. So I'm going to do this in front of them. Like most kids like in front of their parents are like really good. And then they're out smoking cigarettes afterwards. And to me, it's just like, I was just sad. <laughs> I was just, I was just very sad when I wasn't in their presence, but that that's about it. Yeah. And yeah. Just trying to make, were you also trying to make things comfortable at home or make things okay at home? Yeah. Cause my parents were, 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 were working students, you know, they were very young when, when I was, when I was a kid to the, to the point where I don't even know what business they had being married, having kids at that at that age. Um, 
And so the very last thing I thought that they needed was to, to, to find out why the kid was weird. You know, um, again, in the book I wrote about uh, after the explosion and I'm, you know, I, I was writing and drawing stuff on the back of my math test and to see my parents be called out of work, out of class, out of school to come and sit in the principal's office or the guidance counselor's office and answer this, these questions and talk. I was like, oh my God, I've, I've ruined their entire day. You know, um, so I, uh, things like that always, and I, and it, it, I don't want to, nobody told me I had to do this, right. you know, like, I think a lot of people, when they say things like they said, like, I felt that my mom wanted, my dad said I, or, you know, I, I've seen a lot of, 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 of people who have said things like, um, you know, my, 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 my uncle would just be like, just stop it, you know? And so I would, you know, tighten up and just I'd stop as much as I could. I, 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 no one told me to do that because nobody knew. I just, because of how I was raised, the fact that my parents were in America and I was in, in, in Nigeria until I was four um, and knowing that these people come and go. So I got to make sure that they stay. And that means yeah. not being weird. And I, I just kept calling it weird, but like, you know, trying to, to fawn and, 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 and please and make sure that they, that they stay, you know? Wow. Wow. Yeah. Tell me more <clears throat> about how, how things progressed for you. Like, um, yeah, how things progressed for you. I know you just describe, um, and I want to read it later. You describe so well, like you gave language to me about what I was feeling right? Because it's really hard. You know, people see on the outside bipolar, oh, you're super hyper and doing really extreme things. You think you're awesome at everything. Yeah. And then or you're like, you know, this or that. And it seems like an outward thing. But mm -hmm. I find the inner physical turmoil and mental turmoil, like exhausting. And I, yeah. I, I don't know, I forget when you were diagnosed. So I want to hear about that. But like, I wasn't diagnosed till I was 32. Like that was a long time to feel like that. I was diagnosed with bipolar two. Do you have bipolar bipolar one? Two. Bipolar yeah, bipolar two. And and uh, ba the 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 um survey you sent out, the Google uh, yeah. document that you sent out. Yeah. I'm I'm reading through it, and I was like, was it cyclo cyclothymia? Yeah. Yeah, I was like, hmm, what's that? And I googled it, and I was like, that sounds a little bit more like what I have. And I made a note. I was like, I need to talk to my therapist about this tomorrow. Yeah. Because I, I, I people, um, when I talk about it, even just what I'm saying now, people are like, how are you able to, how are you able to like, you know, do this or do that? And for a long time, I was called high functioning, um, for a long time, even, no, not even a long time. Now I'm self-aware, I, I walk into therapy and I'm like, well, this is what's going on. And this is why, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and so I, I wonder whether or not my ability to stop and start and like even sort of feel when something's coming on, um, does that, I, I don't know. I I'd like to explore that because I don't want to, uh, I don't want to own bipolar two and then make it look like it's an, like, it's not a difficult thing to deal with if it's something else mm. that I have. That's so true. I actually just interviewed someone, but we didn't go, we were talking about parenting, so we didn't go right into it that had cyclothymia. So I'm, I'm curious to learn more too. But you brought up something really important that I really struggle with is, um, you know, they do call bipolar 2 a lesser form or do you know what I mean? Like, 
I've had people say, oh, you're lucky you have bipolar two and bipolar one. And I don't think, I mean, I get that the high, high mania can be much more destructive in your life. I understand yeah. that. But yeah. also the deepness of like bipolar two, they say the deepness of the depression and sadness is so deep, right? Yeah. And yeah. I think like they're just two different things. I don't think that one is like, quote unquote, easier than the other. Yeah, it, it just it just feels different. It's like saying, you know, uh, it's better to have a broken hand than a broken foot. It, right. Shit's still broken. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it's it's it, depending on like if I was a soccer player and broke my foot, that's that's hard. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if I was a pianist and I broke my, that's hard. Like you can't yeah. say one is worse than the other. Like they're both equally important in some way, shape or form. So um, I do, I do have a lot of compassion for the explosion that is bipolar one. I think that it is so much of an outward thing that people can sort of like, um, it affects, uh, it's an explosion. You know, so it's it, it people are judging it in a way that um, is unfair yeah. uh, that they don't allow for it to be a mental illness, which I, I I have serious problems with, especially now. Like we have these conversations where, you know, mental health awareness is this awareness, awareness. I'm like, yes, we are all aware, but we've somehow decided that good people are allowed to have mental illness and people we don't like are not. So when we see somebody like in the public eye, I don't know if I want to say any names, who are having like public, public crises and because they're saying or doing things that we don't like, that's not possible. I have bipolar and I've never said or done that thing. It's like, yes, okay. But that does not mean that this person is not having a very public breakdown in crises. Like, so, so that's where I, I have a lot of uh, empathy and compassion for the bipolar one, because it's this. Whereas when you and I might be having an episode, it just looks like we're just kind of hyper. And, you know, for the longest time, one of the, one of the things I struggled with the most is not knowing what my personality was, because all the things I thought were my personality were symptoms. Like I, you know, I'm irresponsible with money. I, you know, all these different things. I thought that's, that, that's just me. Yeah. And it wasn't me, but that's something that's like personal. Like it, I hold it here and I'd have to tell people that's not my personality as opposed to like, kind of like existing in this world that is looking at you through this lens. Um, so it is different in that regard. And I have a lot of, again, compassion and empathy for that. But when it comes to like the internal explosion that is bipolar too, um, it is uncomfortable in a different way because you are acting in a certain way that people decide our personality defects as opposed to medical, you know? So it's different. It's yeah, different. It's like you can't, I don't want to say you can't win, but it's like, you know, when it's outward, it's really, really judged and demonized. But then when it's, it, you know, when it's inward, it, you just look, uh, it's so hard, so hard to explain. It's kind of like, I'm not exploding, but I am snarky. I am yeah, you know, angry, and I, uh, you know, and it feels uncomfortable to talk about because first, like I'm a woman, and second of all, like we're not supposed to be angry, and I actually feel deep inside that I'm not that angry of a person. And sometimes when the things are over, I'm like, can't even understand why that would make me so angry. And so that's how I yeah. know that that's not just a situation 
that is, I don't know, that a neurotypical person or person without a mental illness wouldn't make a big deal out of, right? Yeah. yeah. And like you said, it's really hard to pull apart. I kept, I tried to do that for a very, very long time. And it found that it just made me so miserable because I was like, I, it rocked my world because tell me if the, you experienced this too, but I thought hypomanic me was me. And I yeah, absolutely. Depressed me was, a problem, a problem. Yeah, that's that's the, the the depression was was the issue. Yeah. The rest of the stuff was great. I'm writing. I'm going out. I'm living life. I'm you know life of the party. Everything's great over here. And then I get depressed, and that's the bad one. Yeah, the other one was great. Like I love that, but so you never until, went for help, right? I never went yeah. for help until you don't need help. You're great. Yeah, until <laughs> help for what? I'm so fun. Yeah. I'm so fun. <laughs> I was talking to someone um, earlier. I was always saying like um, high school, like, and tell me if you've experienced this in relationships, but high school, like I always got the boyfriend when I was super. And then usually they would probably break up with me when I, when the fun Shaylee wanted to just sit on the couch and watch shows. Do you know what I mean? Did you ever? Well, that wasn't me in high school. I was very not, <laughs> very not dating in high school, but like in my twenties, twenties, third, twenties on up. Yeah. Like I am not a relationships are my, are my trigger. So I, be, I have to be very careful yeah. um, when it comes to that. Uh, they don't, they don't trigger, but they, they allow, be, they allow because it, you can be broken hearted and people are like, Oh, she's, she got her heart broken. That's why she's so sad. That's why she's crying. That's why she's yeah. in bed for three days. That's okay. Um, so I've always kind of like timed <laughs> relationship breakdown so that I could, you know, um, but yeah, people people really like it when you're hypomanic. They love it. They love it to the point where they don't understand that there's something wrong, even when you tell them that there's something wrong. I remember when I was diagnosed, people were like, really like, like what? Like, just like me, I don't run outside naked. Like that's the, that's what, yeah. like, you're fine. You just like the, you're just irresponsible. You just, you know, talk a lot. You just this, you just that. And I was like, yeah, those are all symptoms. Yeah. They're all or symptoms. Like you're super creative and artistic and I'm super creative without it and I really believe yeah it just reduces your inhibition so you do things that normally you'd be like I don't know if I can get at that yeah I was talking to um, a musician and I know that you're a poet as well um and I was talking to a musician and she was everybody chalked it up to oh she's just an artist right so she's like yeah. in the depths of despair writing about her suicidal thoughts and ideation and people are like making money off her Right. And be like, she's so creative when it's like, like help. <laughs> right. Yeah. I find that that really, really, really interesting. Tell me about tell me about your 20s and tell me about how. Um, yeah. Just how things progressed. Um, if you had like how the illness progressed and how that showed up more in your life. Well, um, one of the the things that I've I've since learned is that a lot of my best decisions uh were were made when I was hypomanic um I was in college uh in a university in in, in Baltimore doing terribly I just I I wasn't my my depressive episode seemed to to show up with the semesters so I just was not doing great like I just I, my first semester I got a 0, 0.0 like I failed mm -hmm. and then I just didn't do well. And also because going back to, to childhood, I was, I read a lot 
And because I knew what my cycles were, I would read the entire textbook and I would study so that when something started to crash, I already had that information. So I could take the test. I could write the whatever. When you get to college, they've got like, you can't read a textbook. You've got like 27, you know, uh, books per class. There's no way I could have sustained that level of, of um, I, I, it was unsustainable. And so I just didn't know. I never learned how to study. I never learned how to do, because I never had to. I, I I figured out this plan for myself and it, it broke apart. Um, so anyway, I was, I was in school. I was in a class and um, I'll never forget it. My I was an American studies major and I was in one of my classes and we were talking about the book Malcolm X. And I'd read that book every year of my, since I was 10 years old, 10, 11 years old. I read it every single year. It's one of my favorite books. And I remember the, the professor saying something. I can't remember what he said exactly. And I remember kind of like, you know, like correcting him. I was like, actually I've, Sorry, I, actually, I've I've read this book a lot, and I think you're misinterpreting this this aspect of it. And um, how did that go? Not well, not well. I I remember him being not angry, but kind of bothered that I had corrected him because it wasn't like I just said, "Oh, it was 1923, not 1926." It was like the reason why this occurred was because like that's yeah i was getting to and the thing is he he is a white man and he didn't know about the nation of Islam. he didn't really know like the nuances of some of this stuff so it was just like a clarification like the reason why this happened was because of this not because of you know some like arbitrary factory fire or, or something like you know what i mean like it was something and i remember sit, sitting there and uh not chastised, but kind of just like, why am I correcting a professor and why isn't he listening to me? Mm. And I sat and I just like, I sat the rest of the class and I just like wrote this poem about what had just happened. And um, class was over and I'm I'm uh, about to head to my car. And a friend of mine was like, hey, I'm going to New York for the weekend. Do you want to come? And I was like, hell yeah, I want to come. And I moved to New York. <laughs> I went for a weekend and I just never came back. Like, I, I mean, I came back to like get my stuff like a month later, yeah. but I just stayed. Yeah. And that was not a, it's not, wasn't a good decision, but it was a great decision. Um, there were all kinds of things that happened that were like, felt like magic, yeah. you know, felt like magic, but I was just making very dumb decisions that happened to work out, yeah. that just happened to work out. And that was my life. That was my entire life for years and years and years. And then, um, again, random left work with a friend and said, hey, he was like, I'm going to go audition for this thing. Do you want to come? I was like, yeah, I'm leaving work. Let's go. Like, you know what I mean? And then I ended up on Deaf Poetry Jam. Like, terrible decisions, but ended up well. So I was just a, 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 a person who kind of just made these decisions and they always worked until they didn't work anymore. And I was on tour with Deaf Poetry Jam. I'd been on tour with them in, 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 um, in the UK. Everything was fine. We got to the States and suddenly I was unable to cope. Suddenly I was unable to, 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 to have my own schedule where it's like, oh, I'm not feeling great. I'm gonna be in bed for a week and a half or however long. Yeah. I had to be on stage. I had to be there. I had to, to do, I mean, it's in the book, you read the book. So I was diagnosed when I was 27 and 
I did not accept it. I, I was diagnosed January uh, 2004. I did not accept it until November. No, I'm saying no, May, May that same year. That's when I was like, all right, fine. <laughs> okay, I got it. Um, uh, no, 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 sorry. I was diagnosed November 2024 because it was during the election. I, I remember that. And then I was hospitalized. And then after the hospitalization, I was like, fine. <laughs> like, okay. Fine. Uh, so I feel like I'm remembering that wrong. No, sorry, I am remembering that. January diagnosis, 2024 hospitalization. I mean, November hospitalization. That's okay. that's final answer. Okay. Final okay. answer. And yeah. so what led up to the diagnosis? Like, were you in a different, like what happened? Was this when you were not being able to function? Um, when you were traveling with the poetry and stuff? Yeah, I, I was, I was having, um, because my diagnosis, my, when I, when I eventually got diagnosed, I got, I saw a therapist who immediately sent me to a psychiatrist to get diagnosed. Like, just like, she was like, oh, you gotta, we gotta get you out there. Yeah. Um, so I was, so I was officially diagnosed at that time with, um, Rapid cycling mixed episode bipolar two, yeah. So I I just I was very I I I cycled very quickly. Okay. Um, I I say and I don't remember if this is like honest. I don't know if this is if this is factual or emotional, but I remember times when I would like wake up like hypomanic and like keyed up. And then sometime in the afternoon, I would fall into a depression. And then somehow by evening, I'm hypomanic and insomniatic and I can't sleep. Like it was almost like, it, it was like that or week to week. Like it was, a, it was a lot. Like when he said a rapid cycling mixed episode, I'd be depressed and, you know, hypomanic at the same time, which is the most uncomfortable feeling in the world. Um, Describe so, that for us, because I know some people don't understand what that that we can be at the same time. Yeah, describe what that feels like for you. Yeah, it's it's um, it's your mind unable to stop moving, mm. and the direction it's going is in reminding you of the worst parts of yourself, and um, uh, being so depressed that you can't move but being hypomanic so you can't stop moving mm -hmm. and it's like this almost literal push pull um where your brain is trying to figure out what your body is doing your body's trying to figure out what your brain is doing your brain is trying to figure out what your brain is doing it's it, it, it's it's such a um it's like a a a, a hurricane in a snowstorm like these two natural disasters that are not supposed to exist at the same time in the same place and trying to figure out what you should protect yourself from first what what part do you pick like do i do i treat the depression and let the 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 hypomania run or do i treat the hypomania and then fall into like an like an ideation stage or or i never really had ideation i had passive suicidality which is i just 
would rather not live and I'm not going to help myself. Yeah, I'm going to go to sleep. You know, I would like to sleep but until it gets better and then I will awake. That was, yeah. yeah. Or I don't awake. Like, yeah. Whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. whatever. If I wake up, great. If I don't, fantastic. Yeah. Um, That's yes. You just described that so well. And it's, it's the weirdest thing for me. I, I can, I know my warning signs when I start to feel like that is that I start to think like the world's a dumpster, dumpster fire, everything's trash, I'm trash. And then I start to think like, then I get into the global warming and I get like, I get into all the horrible things. And I'm like, why would we even want to be here? And then I get into like, why did, you know, like my children, we've ruined everything for them. What is the point? And, and but then I can't like, cause usually when I'm depressed, those things come in slowly, but I just don't have the energy to give them time. I think them, but I'm like, yeah. when I'm both, I I'm giving so much energy into this just negativity and it just takes over. And there, I feel like there's a part of me that's like, Hey, you know, it's okay. And I, yeah. I control it much more medicated. But I remember just being like, looking around me and being like, like, how can you be going for a walk or eating French fries when everything is awful and ruined? Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, it's now that you like, I'm, I'm thinking about it. I think that a lot of, cause uh, you, you say you do trigger warnings before yeah, you're, yeah. The yeah. Thing is a, is a trigger, warning. trigger warning. Good. If you're, uh, if you're asking, I, I, take care of yourself, everyone. Please. Um, I, I, we'll get into that later. Um, I think that there should be more studies done about that mixed episode period. I don't think that it is, even though that's part of my diagnosis, I don't think it's exclusive to me. I just don't think people know that it's a mixed episode. And I feel like quite often when people talk about um, people who aren't here, the people who aren't who aren't aware of what depression or bipolar disorder is, they're like, oh, they were so sad that they did this. Yeah. Um, other people will say, um, well, the, the, the warning sign is when they get out of depression and they feel better. That's when it's dangerous. And I'm like, it's the mixed episode when you have the energy to think terrible things. Yeah. and not knowing what to do and feeling like you got to stop whatever this thing is, whatever's going on internally. And I think that that's the danger. Um, that's one of the dangers. I, I'm not a doctor, so I can't say that's the yeah, danger, yeah. but I, I, I want to know, I, I want people to sort of explore that option um, a little bit more than just, oh, it's this or it's that. Like there's a, there's a space in the middle that I think that people, that people exist and are able to like sort of fall through the cracks because of that. Um, wow. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. when sometimes when you're so depressed, the thought like you can't you and for me personally, like to make a plan, like you can't I, even shower, yeah. like brush my teeth and make a plan. Like, what yeah. are you talking about? I think you're right because you have the energy and a bit of impulsivity, right? Yeah. I yeah. have friends um, that I've had on the podcast and others that have said that, um, they don't line up whatever what doctors say and what everybody says about what it looks like to be, mm -hmm. to be suicidal. And mm -hmm. she was saying like, she thought about it all the time, but didn't make a plan. And then that what the time her attempt, she was just impulsive and did the thing. Mm -hmm. Right. And I yeah. think there's not a ton of a ton of talk about that. Yes. That yeah. Cool. 
Yeah, you gave language to things I think that that are really hard to understand. Thank you. No, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So tell me about okay, so you've got you get your diagnosis, you're like eh, you, um from that November. Tell me what happened between November and the May. Um do you remember? To be honest with you, I don't remember. Okay. I don't I don't I don't remember. Um I just remember trying to come to terms with it. I remember not telling anybody that I remember telling my best friend and then she helped me tell I'm oh, sorry. I don't know what people are. Uh, then she helped me tell my my um my parents and and then but I just kept it quiet. Like I just really was not telling the world. Like I was just going to take my antibiotics, cure myself of bipolar disorder and then get on with my life. Yeah. And um uh, I don't tell the story often because I forget to tell it, but uh, I was watching an episode of Girlfriends, which is a show that ran in the 90s. And it was the number one black show in 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 America at that time. And I watched it every Tuesday faithfully. And um, I don't know when after my diagnosis, um, but at some point, um, I'd seen an episode of Oprah and she had Maurice Bernard who played, um, oh shit, Sonny. Oh my God, I forget his name on General Hospital. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. What is his name? He's got the best name too. Oh, I can't remember his name. That's good. I'll find it and put it in the show notes. Please do, because <laughs> I literally just started following him on, on TikTok and I was like, hey, is it? Oh, I can't remember his name, it's gonna drive me nuts. Um, so he was on and then Jennifer Lewis, who was okay. like, yes, she was on it. She was the first black, I'll say woman, probably person that I'd ever heard publicly talking about bipolar disorder. And then you got, um, oh, I can't remember his name, but Maurice Bernard talking about bipolar disorder. He's a man of color. So it was like the first time I didn't see just white people talking about it. And, and I remember like feeling better you know, because of that. And um, fast forward to watching Girlfriends and number one uh, show in African-American households at the time. And one of the characters, her name is Lynn, was like this flaky, couldn't like keep a job, couldn't keep it together, like had all these, like just in and out, like just like same, you know, I'm like girl, same kind of like yeah. thing, like I, same. And um, she was adopted and her she found her birth mother and her birth mother, um, she found out had bipolar disorder. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, this is it. This is this is when this show that everybody I know watches has the conversation that I need to have. And it's gonna make it so much easier for me to 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 um to reference it when I finally am able to to talk about it. What happened was that. They they gave the mother bipolar disorder as as a as a as a name, mm. but she was having. Uh, they were also giving her traits of like developmental disorder and um, uh, uh, what do you call it? Now it's called DID, but um, multiple personality disorder, like any like schizophrenia, like they were just kind of throwing symptoms into this oh. character, and I was like, oh, let's. <sighs> shoot, that's not, yeah. that's disappointing. And so, but again, this Lynn character who walking diagnoses as far as I'm, walking symptom list as far as I'm concerned, 
this is her birth mother. There is an there is a, a a scene where she's talking to her best friend Joan, who's played by Tra Tracy Ellis Ross, and she's like, "Am I crazy? Listing symptoms. I do this. I do that. I do this. Maybe I have this. Perfect opportunity for you should go see your doctor and see." Yep. Instead, Joan Tracy Ellis Ross as Joan says, "There is nothing wrong with you. You are not crazy. You are not like your mother." And I was like. <laughs> Ah, okay. All right. So I guess not. I guess we're not learning anything today. And I remember sitting there on the couch. And um, at the time, before they called it blogs, I had a web journal. And um, I got up and I went to my desk and I just started writing. Just this is what happened. This is what I felt. I got diagnosed. Like I was in the hospital. Like I just everything. And then I just closed my laptop and I went to bed. And when I woke up, Cause I was like, if it's me and some random person in Wyoming, who's also up at this hour wanting to feel connected, it's me and her. And if she finds this blog, she's going to email me and we're going to talk. We'd be friends and we'll, we'll be able to talk to each other. Mm -hmm. I was shocked at, at, at how many people connected to that post. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know numbers. I'm not going to say numbers, but it was a lot of people. And from that point on, I made it a point to have the conversation as, as, as often as I possibly could. I was back to doing poetry shows, even though I wasn't back on that tour mm -hmm. and I would close every show um, having a conversation about being diagnosed, encouraging people to get to see some. I'd close with this poem called um, Choices uh, that I'd written during uh, a depressive episode. And it was like just sort of documenting, um, like imagine if you did, like just going back and forth about like being up at 3 a.m., 4 a.m., like all that stuff. And I, I would always close every show or every oppor speaking opportunity with that poem. And that's what, I mean, at the time I wasn't a, a mental health advocate, but yeah. that was, I would say that's when that kind of, I, I didn't know what it was at the time, but that's when I started being very open about it and talking about it wow. all the time. One of the things I wanted to say before is when we're talking about symptoms is that, uh, and, and, and how it connects to my book is that I, I feel like doctors do a disservice to people by just listing symptoms because there's no way to really understand what those symptoms are and what they look like and how they actually present in your real life. They they, they present differently for people. Because I remember um, people be like, you know, paranoia. I was like, I do not think anybody's out to get me. No one's trying to kill me. Like, what kind of paranoia? And then it was like, I think somebody's mad at me. I'm I'm certain that somebody's mad. Like, that's paranoia. It's not like they're coming to get me. They're out to, I mean, it is. It is that too, but it's also. And I think that, that when it comes to like, you know, listing these symptoms, people always tend to like revert to what they think they know about that symptom. And they're able to sort of disconnect from it. Like, I don't do that. So that's not me. Um, and so I wish, and again, part of the book was if you read my book and then you read like a list of symptoms, there's something in that book that you can say, oh, that's what this part is and insomnia is this and and they're able to sort of like connect like an actual real life experience to these sort of vague symptoms and I, and I wish that there was there was more conversation about what those symptoms really look like in the wild as opposed to just a list in in, in a textbook or a doctor's office
Well, that's why I started this podcast. And I was like, oh, the first name that came to me is This is Bipolar. And, you know, just tell stories of lived experience of bipolar. But I was like, I want to make it softer. Like, maybe it could just be like mental health. And then and then I was just like, I knew, like, I, my knowing was like, that is what it is. But um, because I was desperate for something like that, I was desperate to, to see a face or hear, yeah. hear an experience, right? Like, you can tell me, oh, pressured speech. But when someone, when you describe that in here, I'm like pressured speech. Whereas before, what like if someone reads that, what does that mean? Or I remember flight of ideas or whatever. And I'm like, what the hell's flight? What of does ideas? that mean? Yeah. It's, it's when you get a whole, a whole bunch of the ideas and like you could think you can do them all. I'm yeah. not giving the best. Trust me. I, I know what you're talking. I know what you're talking about. It's hard too, because I had to, I, I don't know if you do this where it's like, am I being irresponsible or am I about to head into a hypomanic episode? Yeah. Am I legitimately sad or something, or am I about to be depressed? Like, yeah. like trying to figure out like whether or not. You're hypomanic. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So I'm working on, on my second book right now. And, um, I, I just did the outline and I have like a over I have you know those actually there's one here those big oh like God. post-it notes so I have like an entire wall of them and the other night like I was trying to fall asleep and I was like oh, and I get these ideas and I jump up and I'm like writing on these post-it notes on the wall and I'm sitting here like like mad scientist like okay yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. if this happens I gotta make sure and I'm doing all of that and then I'm like ah I gotta go to bed back up doing it da, 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 da. and there was a moment where I was like wait are we hypomanic or are we just having really good ideas for real? And I, my cousin, he's in Nigeria. So at my three o'clock is there 9am. So I was like, junior, am I <laughs> like, 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 he's like, no, you, you, we've been talking about this book all day. So of course, when you go to bed and your brain is settled down, you're going to get ideas. I was like, all right, cool. Yeah. I am just, you know, I'm, I'm being creative right now, but I also have to watch that I don't, stay in a place where I'm too many nights in a row, like two night minimum, two night or two night maximum. And then it's like, all right, let's figure this out. Uh, I feel like that. Uh, I feel like that a lot. And I feel like that's where my hypervigilance comes in. And then sometimes I have to work a lot at trying to be in the present because I'm always wondering or like right now, I'm always like, oh, I haven't had big T trauma. My therapist is like living with bipolar for that many years undiagnosed is trauma. And I was like, whoa. And she's yeah. like, and your body remembers because till yeah. January, it was just done, right? Like I was, uh, I could still function. Like I would go to my classes or I would do what I had to do. But every other second I was like horizontal and like staring at a wall, like, or trying to consume TV or books. So I didn't have to think about my own stuff. I remember driving yeah. and this sounds creepy, but it's not creepy i remember just when we would go for drives or anything and like someone's um blinds would be open and i just see a few people and i'd be like like i wonder what it's like to just like want to function or function in january and yeah. I remember the when my meds got figured out in the first january that i was just like i missed this many like i'm still hyper vigilant in january like even as it comes i can feel it tighten in my body and i'm doing yeah. okay this january and i haven't gotten a deep depression in three years like i get low grade that's sometimes. amazing but yeah. um but i'm uh, like i can feel like if i don't lower my shoulders do my yoga or whatever i'm just i'm waiting I'm like is that yeah it? but that thought is that it 
It's the worst. I, it's worse, and that's part of the, the the discomfort that people don't recognize. Like even after diagnosis, you're still very much aware and always look. Like I for the for the longest time in the beginning, I was always waiting for my meds to fail because it all it felt like at some point the dosage had to change. Something had to I had to get off of this and get on that, and I was just like always just like waiting for that moment. Um, ironically, I'm on what I was when I was first diagnosed. Like I. I'd gone through all these like, no, this is what works for me. Um, and I tell people too, when they when they first get medication is that you pick a symptom that you, that is a non-negotiable, like this is not, I don't want this. So anything that prevents this thing or, 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 or keeps this thing from happening yeah. will work with everything else. We'll, like, so I'll play with dosages up and down, up and down and, and, and add this and add that. But I don't know if you're able to do this, like I, that hypervigilant state. I will call my psychiatrist and I say, this is what's going on. I think I need to go up from 100 to 150. And I think I need to double, like I'm telling him because I know, yeah. you know, I know so much about how I feel that I know how to, to, to make sure that I'm maintaining myself yeah. because it's the single most important thing to me is my mental health and anything Anything that challenges that, it, it cannot be a part of my life. And I, I have to be very careful in that way. Um, but it, it makes living very difficult. Like the things that other people take for granted, we've got to really think about. We've got to really, really, really think about. We, we do not have the luxury of just kind of like jumping up and, and, and doing things. Like we have to really think about it. Like I've got to a place where it's like maybe two seconds, maybe, you know, it doesn't take like a whole day to figure out. Like I can kind of like, yeah. feel my body and like sort of hear myself. And then I was like, all right, decision as opposed to just yeah, yeah, picking up my bag and like running. Yeah. yeah because I feel like I, I read somewhere, someone posted somewhere that said, um, hypomanic ideas are not ideas. They're in order. And I was like, mm. that's how it feels. It feels like yeah. this will be painful and everything will be ruined if I don't do this. Like people think it's like you're thinking it through and making a choice to explode your, your life or like your finances or whatever, right? Yeah. Or, you know, be mean to my partner. Yeah. <laughs> Just speaking for a friend. <laughs> um, uh, they think that you think it through. And so I actually do this at this thing that activity that I thought my therapist was ridiculous for telling me to do it, but it actually works. And it's being a detective about your thoughts. So I ask other people, or I think back to other times, has that worked? Or did, you know, does that mm -hmm. make sense? Is this aligned with your goals? Does this align with who you are as a person, right? Because there's been some times that I've thought that everyone's better off without me. And I was literally like, uh, and not suicidal, but just like move. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like I was, yeah. I had to be a detective and think about like, would that be harder on them than us just talking about what I'm going through? And, and, and so be a detective is one. Here in Canada, one, it takes a year, like we have free, everyone I'm doing air quotes, free <laughs> healthcare, but that means you wait a year and you could be in crisis and you wait a year and a half for a psychiatrist. So you have to go wow. to you have to go to emergency. There's no in between. You're like, okay, and hopefully wow. or you go to emergency because I wasn't a harm to myself or others. Um, but I had nowhere to go in crisis. And my GP told me I didn't have bipolar because I couldn't get a degree or have children if I had bipolar. So stop thinking that. But I do I've had the long enough relationship with my GP that I can be like, 
hey, I'm feeling hypomanic. I think I'm going to need some more, blah, blah, blah. But here, yeah. like, I can't, like, pay someone or go and find a psychiatrist right away. There's, oh, wow. It's awful. Yeah. That's terrible. I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. But what, one of the things you said, like, my last, like, I, I just had a, a depressive episode recently, which was my first in, like, seven or eight years. Um, and the last one was, I was, I was out of here. Like, I, I really just thought that this was the end. Um, I was negotiating. Everyone's better off without me. Yeah. I knew exactly how. Um, and uh, I also, this is another problem with hypomania and, and bipolar too, is that you're still smart enough as an in your right mind enough to know, like I knew, and I, I, I apologized so much to her after, uh, uh, but I I knew enough to tell her what I was thinking about without telling her enough for her to have to make a phone call. Right. Like she just, she, 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 she knew, but I didn't say anything that would, you know, she has to call somebody 54 yeah. or whatever holds. Like I knew not to tell her that, but I knew, you know, and um, uh, I, uh, it got to a point where I had, um, I was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking, well, I don't want anybody to find me because that's going to be traumatic and I'm not trying to traumatize anybody. Yeah. So I got to figure out how to get to a desert, <laughs> a desert. <laughs> where nobody will find me. I was like, well, how am I get to a desert? Like, it's just like, like all this, like, okay, well. I got to think this through a little bit more. And during that time, um, I was able to talk to like my family. And I was like, I'm not doing this again. Every, I'm not going to be 80 years old going through this anymore. I'm tired. Like, you know, that kind of thing. And my family and my, they were like, okay, you say that you've tried. We, we've seen you try. Try again. But like, let's just see what happens this time when you try. And I'm like, I'm going to try. I'm going to take the medication they tell me. I'm going to see the site of my therapist five times a week instead of two. I'm going to do it. And then you'll see, I'm going to prove to you that I've tried and it doesn't work. And it worked. You know what I mean? And I was like, fine, you're all right. You're right. But that's when I, uh, uh, I started writing my book. Like when I started getting out of that place, um, Start writing, let me say, start writing a book. The book that I started writing is not the book I ended up writing. A little bit. I, I, what, I just had one just after 2020. It's like, I was fine in 2020. I was like, I prepared this my whole life for everything. I just, I've been here. I know what to do. Yeah. Exactly. I know how to stay home. <laughs> but when things came back out, it's like, I don't know how to live. And, and, and B, I felt like I was in survival for so long or whatever. But it really it really scared me in that I like I denied it for a long time because mine were so deep that I was like, oh, this doesn't count. This doesn't count. Yeah. But I had a low grade not wanting to be here. I'm like, wait a minute. I, I think this counts. And I think I yeah. still deserve help, even if it isn't like the depths of despair. Yeah. And, and, and being able to like say that to yourself and know that you deserve help, even if it's not as bad as could be worse or it's been worse like it's still like not a place that you want to be um it's not a place that you want to be uh i remember uh, it was uh october november i was in nigeria for like 10 days and the entire time i was there i cried um they came home and i was just like oh weird 
not doing great. Um, but I remember being disappointed in myself. I, I was, I was disappointed in myself because up until then, like I, every podcast, every interview, every whatever, I'm the healthiest I've ever been. I'm the healthiest I've ever been. Like that was my thing for eight years. I'm the healthiest I've ever been. And then I was like, crap, I can't say that anymore. I got to rewind. I've got to like reset the clock. And I was just so like disappointed in myself um, for, for a little bit, but because I've had experience, I was able to like call the psychiatrist, tell two people, like, if I, if something like this happens and make sure you, you call me on this, if you see me online at four in the morning, if you haven't heard from me in two days, like that kind of like having like, uh, I, I've, I'll, and that's, no one's asking for advice, but like having one or two people that no matter what, they've got to know something, yeah. no matter what, like, uh, I know that people get offended when, when people's like, have, have you taken your meds? I'm like, ask me that. Anytime you feel like I may not be, ask yeah. because I need to, I need that. Um, I mean, of course, don't do it to be disrespectful. Yeah. And uh, you're, you're the, a close person, right? Yeah, you you have permission. Place, you brought up that so important. And to do it when I'm not type of panic is yeah. write those warning things. And I've even started to break it down to the early ones and the uh, like the ones that wouldn't be that noticeable, right? But then my friend, I'm like, if I send you more than five or six texts a day or songs that remind me of you or memes don't count because I send like... 15 to 20 memes a day. That's normal. But if I did 50, yeah. right? It helps people. But you're, well, you brought up something that I've really been working through the last two years, and that's the self-stigma. Whereas I'm disappointed in myself that it came back. It's like, I can't, the, I say all the time, and I have these beautiful posts on Instagram about healing is not linear. And I'm like talking yeah. to myself here, but then, and it's chronic and I'm going to be, you know, have to manage this in my whole life. Episodes will come back, but when it isn't for a long time, I too felt like it was a personal failure, right? Yeah. I do, you, do you give yourself, do you give yourself uh, ultimatums? Like, give me an example. Like you've got two days. You yeah. get to be in bed rotting for two days. Yeah. And yeah. after that second day, you could be on the floor, but you can't be in, in the bed anymore. And oh. like those kinds of like negotiations. Oh. Um, and also like, I don't know if you could see behind me. Uh, it's a, a big post where it says vitamins, brush teeth, make bed, meditate, read, lock phone, which is the, the big like hypomanic, like sending. It's like, so I have a, an app, I, app saves everything but I have an app that locks my phone um at like 11 p.m uh because also I'm one of those uh 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 ambient texters uh, <laughs> and callers and emailers so I have to lock everything up and then it says gratitude and then minute check-in I mean I take 60 seconds to just check in with myself and then I check it off and so I also have a planner but if I'm like, I'm not going to reach a, a digital planner, I'm not going to reach my iPad. But if I wake up and I look, I'm like, all right, well, it's yeah. right there. Now I, now I have to take my vitamins and brush my yeah. teeth because I need a check mark. I love what you just said there. Like, I'm going to give myself two days and then I have to get, you know what I mean? Like, I do that even like just move to the couch or yeah, change to a different pair of sweatpants. Yeah. Or things like that. I found that for the longest time I didn't. And I think that's um, why I manage more now is because I had kids. Right. And yeah. so I couldn't give myself those those times. And I didn't. I was so scared of looking like a yeah. bad mother or people oh. thinking like, you know, 
I didn't speak super publicly until they were like nine and 10, but like, I was, what about nine and 10? I was like, what if they don't let play dates with my kids? So oh uh, yeah. until yeah. I did it. Right. Yeah. So now like all, if I do, I give myself time, like I wouldn't make plans tonight because even though like this, it's, I love this. Like this gives me so much energy. People think yeah. it's bizarre that my most favorite thing to do is to talk about hard things, but I give myself tonight. I don't plan to go out because I have little vulnerability hangovers, right? Or yeah. I edit it myself. So I have to hear my own voice and I'm like, yeah, self off the internet, girl. Like, self. yeah. A TikTok had got around about time blindness. I don't know yeah. if you, yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh, I have time blindness. And here are the things that I do to help myself. And people were calling me ableist. And sometimes people don't have clocks and this and that. And I was like, oh my God, I'm just, I'm sharing tricks and how I, I have this thing. I believe it's true. And I'm, I'm showing you different things that I've done to like help myself. And if, if it resonates with you, great. But if not, we're even in a place yet mm. where we can share these kinds of things because people, I feel sometimes people don't want and I think that's the social media aspect. I mean, I'm 47. I've been around for a minute and I've seen 10 years. I've seen it go from like, we're not talking about it enough to we're talking about it so much that we're not talking about what it feels like and looks like to be better or the ways in which we can help ourselves. Um, and like these little tricks that we have to do. Yeah. We have to do these things. I, um, when I was at the present episode, I, um, I had randomly, uh, I, I ordered um, cosmetics from Good Molecule, Molecules and they had like a $10 cosmetic fridge. And I was like, what do I need a cosmetic fridge for? It's $10, I'll buy it. And I bought it and I realized that it's the perfect size to keep like apples and like a bag of hard boiled eggs. Yeah. So when everybody would go to sleep, I'd go get two apples, boil like 10 eggs, put them in the fridge so that when I cannot crawl into the kitchen and I don't want to, like, it's just right there. I'm like, okay, wow. you can walk across the room yeah. and get an apple and it's right there. You don't have to do any work. It's yeah. right there. Like the most work you got to do is like crack an egg. Let me tell you how, sorry, I'm off topic, but there was a time, there's a, one of the nights where I was like, you know what, I'll save myself time and I'll just, crack all the eggs and just let them live raw in a bag. And I'm like, eggs are disgusting. <laughs> like, I was like, what, what is this? Like, it was just so, oh, cause I was, I was vegetarian and vegan for a really long time and I've just started eating. And so I'm just like, oh, like it was easier to pretend it was vegetables when it was in the, <laughs> when it was in the shell. Now it's just like this, ugh. That, that put me off eggs. And I think I was like, all right, I got I to gotta get undepressed because I can't, I can no longer eat eggs and I can't yeah, live on apples. Start cutting everything out. Oh, I hear you. Yeah. Around this is bipolar and the Instagram or whatever. I think it's almost like I had to gain like some trust, right? Like if you gave me tips, I read your book and I know you know the things. So I would be all in. Right. But I think sometimes if people they don't get to know a person or an account, then they just see that you're like, I'm doing better than you. Right. Because when yeah. sometimes you're feeling so bad. But I found yeah. once people trust, right, they trust a person. Then so that's why it's like, you know what, before you go and comment something, go and look at their story. Cause I've gotten yeah. out like, how can you speak for bipolar people? Da, 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 or people that live with bipolar. And I'm like, and then just in the message, I'm like, um, by the way, I have lived experience. And then they were like, 
sorry. (laughs) Yeah, if they even say sorry, they just disappear sometimes. Yeah, Yeah. I learned the term functional freeze very, very recently. And I've been in functional freeze for for days for the last, for all weekend. And then today I was like, no, today's the day. And I was like, no, I'm still freezing. Um, And I was talking, I was, I I posted, I said, um, functional freeze is a thief. I got up at 8.30, took my meds, brushed my teeth, took a shower, um, and now it's 3 p.m. And like I, the whole day, and I'm just I'm just scrolling on my phone, that's functional freeze. And I just, little tweet went and left about my business. And people are like, oh my God, is that what it is? Oh my God, is that what it is? And I have to be like, wait, wait, wait. That's what it is for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You might be experiencing something else. Yeah. Make sure that, like, I, I don't want people to be like, that's me. Yeah. Yeah. Like read and make sure because I was I, I joke. I was like, I don't want people to be having like mini strokes and thinking oh, I'm in functional freeze. Like, let's let's yeah, 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 yeah. like I'm, I'm here to I, I presented something that you may not know about, but I would love for you to figure out how it fits into your own life. Um, I'm very careful about that, especially now, like the, all the TikToks were like, if you do this, it means that I'm like, no, no, it means that for you. Like people have to like let a doctor or somebody else. Yeah. yeah, let them experience so they know. Like, it's yeah. great to share, but as like a, it, I feel a responsibility to say, this is what works for me. This is what yeah. it feels like for me. This is what I had a conversation with my therapist or psychiatrist about. And if it resonates, then also have a conversation with in order to like, you know, I, I'm very, very careful, especially yeah. when people, like if I say something offhanded and I, I start yeah. to see like, oh my God, me too. Wait, not yet. Like, let's... <laughs> Pump your brakes. Let's see yeah. if. Uh, Ask your so doctor. yeah. Ask your doctor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Do you have any other practices or um, things, tips that help you? Either um, you've mentioned a few in depression, any any in hypomania or mania. I'd love to hear just a few more things from you. Yeah. So uh, mindfulness, uh, I say, saved my life. It's a thing that that has really given me sort of permission to sort of stop and like gather myself before I make a move. And coincidentally over here is a po- is a post-it poster that says S-T-O-P, stop, think, slash, take a breath, observe, pause, slash, proceed. So I have to like, okay, wait, what am I thinking? All right, let's calm. Okay, cool. Like look and like, what am I, what am I seeing? Am I seeing what's actually happening or am I adding a story to it. All right. Okay. We move to the next one. Now that I know all these other things, do we keep going or do we stop? And like, all right, let's keep going. Or, okay, let's stop. Does it always work? No. I've been like, fuck that poster. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going off. You know, like it's not, it's not like a, a perfect a thing, but it's yeah. right. But it is something that like, that I am able to, to, to refer to, um, and even like after the fact, I'm like, Ugh, yeah, I should have. And then I can, I'm able to like talk myself through if this would have happened, what other choices I would have made. So there's that. Um, I have a digital planner uh, that um, I'm not like an organized person, but I'm able, because it's digital, I'm able to customize it um, in ways that make sense to that day that I need, that week that I need. If, if I need a day that's just journaling and not even real journaling, because I, I don't like sitting and journaling, um, I I give myself a minute journal. You got a minute and write whatever. If you go past the minute, great. If you don't and only have like three sentences, great. Um, I have a I have an emotion wheel 
that's on my phone yeah. um, so that I, I can be more accurate with the way that I'm feeling. Um, I, love that. Uh, I have this, which is my very fancy keyboard. Hold on, let me turn it on for you. It's so cute. Um, but like rewards that like, isn't this great? I love it. So uh, I'm able to attach it to my laptop and like connect it to my iPad. So it's like this cute little fun thing that it, that makes me want to write because I hear the clickety clacks. Um, so it makes me want to like do something. Um, what else do I have? Uh, I mean, there's a freedom. It's called the Freedom app that like locks all your devices. Uh, yeah, yeah, it locks all your devices. I have this. Hold on, I'm on my bed. In case you thought I was on a fancy desk, I have this which is a phone jail, because I figured out that if you delete the app, it un, oh, un okay. uh, what do you call it? it? If you delete the app, it, 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 everything gets unlocked. Yeah. yeah. So keep the app on, lock my phone, yeah. set it. So I just don't have, I can still access it if it rings or if I need to do something, but I can't delete the app. So it's all these like things that other people don't have to do that, but I do, you know, like I have to do that. And even recent, this is, this is hard because this is just like a couple weeks ago that I even like made this discovery, but um, I realized that I was in an emotionally abusive situation. And I, I just, and, and for somebody who's so hypervigilant and somebody who's so very careful to like not recognize it when it was happening, it brought me to this place where I was like, I, I'm, I'm never gonna get fixed. Like, how do, how do I miss this? So I have a list, I have a, 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 I, I'm, a, I'm pro those big post-it notes, get the lined ones and get the unlined ones. So I have on my wall, like all of the things, all the reasons I missed what I missed because of the the tactics that were used. Like when they said this, they were gaslighting me because this is what actually happened. And then I write all that. And then I go to another one. I was like, and this is why you're the kind of person, uh, the kind of person who um, believed in somebody. Like these are your positive traits. Like the reason why it was easy was because you think the best of people because you don't, you never imagine this is how somebody would behave. So why would you, you know, you know, like just like that. So, this is what, what happened, acknowledge, own, this is why it, I didn't deserve for it to happen. So there's a lot of like- Stuck beating yourself up, that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And, it's, and, it's, and it's visual, it's right there, you know? Um, I used to say I'm not a visual person and I'm not. I can't, have you heard about the Apple test? I'm all over the place, I'm not manic, but like the oh, Apple yeah. test You're where you close- language, I'm <laughs> <laughs> Like this is communication. <laughs> Um, so like when you close your eyes, like close your eyes right now okay. and picture an apple, what do you see? Yeah, red one, red apple. Is it a, a life, a realistic one, like a drawing of one? Uh, well, it's a realistic one, like I want to grab it and eat it. And eat it? Okay. So what I see, you can open your eyes now. When I close my eyes and somebody says to picture an apple, I can't see. I, 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 I understand what an apple is. I feel that I know what an apple is, but I cannot picture an apple in my mind. I cannot picture it. I know what an apple looks like. told me that that she does that too. She doesn't picture, she doesn't see the pictures of things. Yeah, it's called, and I, I can't remember what it's called, but 
um, because of that, like, you know, when people are like, oh, write a vision or make a vision board, I, I, like, I can write things. No, I, I don't like vision what I, I, I don't, after I'm done looking at the thing, I don't know what it looks like anymore. So like writing and, and being able to like, look at the words, yeah. um, does something to my brain. And I think even the people who picture apples like you, I think they can benefit from like being able to look at something and like all these things that we've learned about ourselves and all the, all the, the ways that we learn to survive these things, being able to like look at it. And I think it's also a good reminder that we've learned and we've gotten to a place where we are able to do this now. And even though we slip sometimes, even though we wake up and the day isn't good, even though like hypomania had you like buying 57 pairs of jeans, they're cute jeans and you know next time you will or, or you can return them like there's just a different like honoring where you are honoring who you are understanding that it's different and then giving yourself permission to exist like i think it's the most important thing that i've learned about all of this because instead of feeling disappointed that I'm all or disappointed or, 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 or like a dysfunctional because I have to go through this thing. And, and if I had a choice, I wouldn't like people out all the time. They're like, um, you know, if you could trade bipolar disorder for like your writing, I was like, fuck writing. I find something else to do. I'll dance. I like, I'll find something else to do. Like I am not, that is not important to me. Something yeah. I wouldn't give it back to the world. And I'm like, what? No, nah, have at it take it like please I that you said that that the reminders and i just started doing on on instagram that I'm calling wednesday wins and it felt kind of dumb and i didn't know if it was going to land with people but i did it for me and i need in the middle of the week to remind myself because i hold on to all the hard things the stupid things i've done those yeah. come first i need to retrain yeah. my brain to remember i've had wins and maybe that win so many like i drank half a glass of water or you know maybe it's that i yeah. washed my hair and then maybe one day it's huge but those if i remember those it's gonna add up right it feels yeah. ridiculous and you're standing on top of it people love it and then I get yeah. another one called Thankful Thursday, which also is like, people are going to think I'm annoying. Then I'm like, wait a minute, it's my page. Let them be, let, somebody else is going to be grateful for it. I cannot believe how many people show up every week and write the yeah. things that they're thankful yeah. for. And I'm like, do you have practices? Do you have an, do you have an, hold on, do you have an Alexa? No, but I think I need one because I need to tell them the lists because I forget. Yes. And also what I do with, 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 uh, with, is that still heard it still heard it um is that i ask it to to set a reminder and it'll reminder oh relax alexa stop good job what should i remind you so i'll i'll say um i'll say remind me that i deserve the world or remind you deserve the world so every hour like reminder you deserve the world reminder like yeah like i i love that so much yeah yeah, I, um, uh, there's something else that I say that like triggers a playlist. Um, it's called the Big Bad Bitch Energy playlist. It's just a bunch of like, yeah. it's a lot of Beyonce to be fair, but like it's a lot of like, ah, get out of bed, we're doing this type type. Well, we're doing this on the floor now <laughs> type stuff. So it's like just that's all these little things like like the stuff that you said. There, everybody has something, and I think that people don't realize that they have something. 
they don't realize that they've got like a little trick because they don't consider it a trick. They, they, they probably like beat themselves up for having to do it, but it's fantastic. Because I spent so many, so much time thinking I'm not doing it the right way. But really, that my therapist was like, "But it's working for you." Yeah. Oh, it's right for you. I'm like, I don't know why, but I always like, you know, I always thought there's there's the right way to do it. Nope, there's the Shaley way. She's got to do it different, right? But that yeah. works for me, so it is. Yeah, is right. It is right. For 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 a minute, I was always looking towards like. again, famous people that were dealing with mental health stuff. And, and I was like, okay, well, I have to stop. I can, I can take some things, but I also can't look at it and think, well, how come, oh, this is, this is the, this is the thing that I struggle with the most because I also was diagnosed at 27. I think a lot about who I could have been had I been diagnosed earlier, what decisions I would have made differently if it wasn't for the bipolar what like I, there was a, a time when I was really really like locked in there and I remember somebody telling me oh you can't do that you've got to can't have any regrets and then I was like no I can I can have regrets like it's okay for me to feel like I missed something like I took a, a, a left when when I really wanted to take a right I I it's a it's, a, it's okay to to feel that I don't have to live there Like my life doesn't stop because I, I, I have regrets. It just means that I recognize that I would have made different choices had I been a healthier person. Yeah, you're allowed to think about regrets or what would have been. And I too, I never let myself really feel like in therapy, I found out I never really let myself feel the anger that I feel about those lost Januaries or, or those lost time with depression and Then Yeah. she's like, let's just feel it. And I was so mad. I'm like, it's, I just was like a kid. Like she said, have a temper tantrum. And so I did, I stopped my foot. I'm like, this is so unfair. How come everybody else has like, this is years we're talking about. Ah! Yeah. And just Yeah. doing that, it was like such a release. And I'm not saying I don't sometimes think it, but letting myself just be like, yeah, that was completely unfair. Everything doesn't happen for a reason. That was just crap. Yeah. Yeah, it And sucks. it sucks what it what it was and it and it sucks and I can hold both and it sucks and right and I don't have to you just said I don't have to live there. Oh my goodness, Bathy, I could talk to you forever. Also, we are now best friends, so I'm just telling you that. Yeah. I mean, clearly, obviously, Obvi. like, why are we even here? <laughs> but I literally am so touched and just so like I, I literally <laughs> Yeah, I cried through this book. I it was just so good. And I just, I'm so grateful that there your voice is out in the world and that there's people out there doing the work that you do and just the honesty that you brought here. Um, yeah, it just, it means the world to me. And so Thank you. thank you, thank you. When I was diagnosed, I spent a lot of time looking for trying to find anything that I could connect with um, so I could understand what was going on or just read somebody else's experience to know what I had to look forward to or just, again, tricks and and, and what is this thing? Help me understand. Um, I wrote the book that I needed back then, but I also am very grateful for people like you who have created like this arena for, for, for newly diagnosed, old, oldly, uh, old diagnoses, Mm. like people, well, exactly. Like the OGs, uh, to come and like understand 
what it is that they're going through and and and, and sort of have this language and community that this didn't exist 10 years ago like 10 years ago it didn't exist not talk about 20 years ago 10 years ago it didn't exist and so for you to be part of this because now it's like all these different walks of life people from different like backgrounds and 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 what and you know what have you and to be brave enough so soon to do that is is extraordinary i i wouldn't have been able to do it so close after diagnosis and you put yourself in a position where not only are you healing yourself you're also healing other people who are able to like experience this because it doesn't happen often like there, we don't get to connect like this often and so if there's again if there's that one person in wyoming that i was looking for you found her in like a thousand other ones so i'm just so i'm just very very grateful for for you and, and grateful that you're doing what you're doing thank you bestie you're welcome thank you for everything and i'm just so very grateful for you and grateful for the work that you do and the way that you are helping people who are still in a position where they need to understand all of this thank so you. thank you so much that really really means the world to me and i definitely want to connect again when you when your book is ready come on here and tell us all about it because i, I will you're your number one fan i will this is bipolar if you want to go deeper with this conversation, we have a subscription. It's on Instagram. You can subscribe at $6.99 a month and you get extra content. So every single episode, you'll get an extra chunk of something we didn't even talk about on the podcast. And then there's extra content there and there's people there that want to converse more or just go deeper together. Um, there's just a greater access. I can I will answer messages quicker because I spent some time in there. And also too, some people are like, well, what if I just want to support you? Or what if I just want to watch but not have to interact? You can do that too. There's no pressure. You can just hang out and get the extra content as well. So I hope to see you there. It's on the Instagram account at this.is.bipolar. Thank you, friends, for all your support. Thanks again for tuning in. You can find video versions of This Is Bipolar on our YouTube channel. We also have all our previous and soon-to-be future episodes of the podcast on Apple, Podbean, Spotify, and Google Play. We spend most of our time on Instagram at this.is.bipolar. There is a vibrant community there where we have conversations and post different ideas and different strategies. And we'd just love for you to join us there. It is so helpful if you enjoy our work or think it would be helpful to someone if you could like and share and save and follow us in all or any of those spaces. If you're a listener for the podcast, if you could leave a review, we would be forever grateful. Again, thank you for being here with us. Let's get the word out. Let's share lived experiences so that we can change the ideas that people have about bipolar and help those of us that live with it feel less alone. This is bipolar.